was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome, my name is Felice Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair and settle in with your favorite refreshment and prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I am your host and this is Mommy Jammy Night. It is a time where we welcome moms of all ages and from all over the world actually to our event and we're really excited tonight to be hosting Andy Tolpin who is published author and also a speaker and she speaks on a variety of topics uh, that surround motherhood and childbirth, uh, along with a lot of other things. So welcome, Angie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, good. And you know what, Angie? Um, you and I met because I interviewed you um, as a book author on a radio show that I host um, for authors and then found out later that you were a homeschool mom. So when I did... I um, messaged you, and you wonderfully sent me your book. And not only that, you sent me a beautiful picture of you and your family um, that was taken at Christmas time, and you asked me to pray for you. And, you know, we, we spoke quite a while after that interview, and I really felt that, you know, I, I had been called to share some things um, about my life, and, you know, there was a next part of it, and I really feel you're that part because you are at a stage in your life where you are really a mentor to moms, and especially, you know, moms in their um, childbearing years, and what a wonderful help you are to many, and um, we had a Facebook uh, party previous to this, and I, I think I posted that one of the best gifts to give either um, you know, someone who is getting married or someone who is expecting a baby is your book, Redeeming Childbirth. Mm. So before we get Thank started, you. I know you're going to talk a little bit about that, but give us a little bit about, you know, your book. Well, the book, Redeeming Childbirth, was just released and published January of 2013, so it's been out for about nine and a half months. And... Um, the Lord has just really grown and expanded this ministry far beyond what I ever expected. Um, you know, when I when I, I shared this with you when you were interviewing me on the, on the writing and publishing radio, but, you know, when you're called to do something, um, it, you can't – God has just designed you and he's chosen you to do something for him. And you're trying to be obedient and trying to walk in his will. You can't get away from his call. And that's kind of how redeeming childbirth was for me. For 13 years, uh, the last 13 years, I've been having babies. You know, I have six of my own. And um, I just yearned for something like this. I would go out and I was just hungry and a voracious reader and trying to find as many books as I could on this season in a woman's life, right? Um, mm -hmm. I have a wonderful mom, but we just never had that kind of um, conversation about what the childbearing years were like and the actual um, childbirth and how to prepare spiritually for that and all that kind of stuff. And so I was hungry and looking for it. And um, they just, there wasn't anything out there that really talked about the spiritual side of birth, which is what I yearned for most. And so that is really what Redeeming Childbirth is. I try to describe it as more of a discipleship book, um, a book that talks about preparing your heart and your soul to invite the Lord mm -hmm. back into this season. Because I really think our society omits God out of it. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes, I, I do. And, and especially now with, you know, every everything is upside down in so many uh, facets of life and you know the same with that area so it is wonderful to have somebody who is you know doing it from the perspective of you know putting the Lord first and having you know your ducks in, in a row the way they should be so that's why I was really happy to see your book you know and and I hope that um, it blesses a lot of people. But you have an amazing presentation that you're going to share, and I'm 
Um, looking forward to it, especially as you share your presentation. You'll be telling us a little bit more about you and your family. So I am going to sit back now and enjoy, okay. and then I'll be back at the end, and we'll take some questions from our audience. Sounds great. Thank you, Felice. Well, ladies, I am so glad to be here with you. I've been preparing for this and just praying that the Lord would use um, whatever experiences or things that he's impressed upon my heart over the years to encourage you as moms, um, whether you're in your childbearing season or you're past it or you're anticipating it coming um, up in the next few years. I just hope that this is a time where you can glean something or, or the Lord can encourage you as I'm sharing a few scriptures that I have here that I want to share with you tonight. Um, so I just want to say a quick prayer before we get started. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as your daughters, as sisters in Christ. I pray that this time would be one that edifies your body, edifies your church. I pray that we would all walk away encouraged. Lord, I pray that you would continue to minister to my heart as I am preaching to myself here and um, and preaching to the choir, I'm sure. I'm sure many of these women have very similar beliefs on a lot of things or convictions, Lord, and I thank you for that. I thank you for um, what your son Jesus did on the cross and that we can have unity in him and in our faith in him. We ask that you would just bless us tonight and be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. So, ladies, we are going to get right into this. So, this is my family. This is the, we like to call it the Tolkien Embassy. Um, you can see there's a picture of me and my kids in the vineyard. We have a small um, hobby vineyard in the Pacific Northwest. We actually just harvest our first crop on Sunday, which was very exciting. Um, we planted the vineyard five years ago. And um, it's a smaller vineyard. It has about 1,300 plants-ish. And um, it has been a lot of work. Um, my husband and I are not wine connoisseurs by any means. We actually planted this vineyard because we wanted to be intentional in having a family team project that we could work on over the years and that would help us to incorporate our passion for work ethic and for delighting in work, and that that would be something that we would be doing alongside with our kids, and that they would be, um, you know, as we're getting refined in our attitudes of getting out there in the rain to weed, that they would also. So that's kind of a, a special little side note about our family. And then um, my, my oldest daughter is 13, Kelsey is her name, and then I have a 10-year-old who's Austin. And Megan is almost nine, Drew is seven, Luke is five, and Ethan is three. And so we have four boys and two girls, and they are quite a handful, but they are such a joy. Um, we homeschool. We've been homeschooling for almost a decade. Um, we did have one year where we put Kelsey in first grade. Um, I was pregnant with our fourth at the time, and I was just really feeling like um, I couldn't handle it. I had these, all these expectations in my mind that I, I really believe were impressed upon me by my experience in the public education system, and I had a different standard, um, obviously, than what I have for homeschooling today and was trying to make it look too much like that. And so um, we, we allowed Kelsey to go to a private Christian school, and um, and while we were there, the thing that we realized more than anything was that this was a call and that God was really calling us back. It ended up being a, a, a very learning experience for all of us. And then she was even saying, Mom, I'd really like to be homeschooled. Um, she had a great time. The teacher was great. The curriculum was great. Um, the vision of the school was great. But it was this was something that the Lord was definitely calling our family to. And so we have been on this journey ever since. Um, and then my husband, Isaac, he is our spiritual leader, our visioneer. He's an entrepreneur, has been since we were, um, since I met him, actually. I worked for him. That's how we met. And um, for the last, we've been married for 14 years and have been, we have a few different businesses. So I've been beside him working, just being the help me and supporting him in all of his ventures. And right now, the company that he is um, most dedicated to um, is Choose Growth and Throwing Boulders. Those are two different companies. Um, and I'll just show those to you in the next slide. Let's see, I forgot I have slides here. Um, this is my um, main website, AngieTolpin.com. I hope you come and visit me there. Um, I, I basically write on parenting, marriage, and faith, and lately I've been doing a lot more vlogs than anything 
um, just because it's faster for me as a mom to just like quick get my little iPhone and and share what the Lord's impressing upon my heart and then shut it off and download it and bam it's up there. So I do a lot of that kind of stuff and hopefully we'll be doing more now that redeeming child writing redeeming childbirth is um, done with that project. So um, I used to be a mentor coach, and so this was part of the website was for those clients to find me. Um, and now I, I just view virtual mentoring as um, one of my main ministries through writing and through blogs and stuff like that. So, um, And then my, let's see, here's Redeeming Childbirth, which Felice mentioned a little bit to you. So it's a book. We also have a study guide that was published in July, which has been exciting. Um, and then we have this this was originally supposed to just be a mini book site, but it has turned into a whole online ministry. The Lord has really expanded this vision um, to where now I have a YouTube channel and I do video teaching on different topics like childbirth not being a curse. Um, and and I have another one that's going to be releasing next week on pain and one that's releasing this week on um, aspiring to be Titus to mentors and mentoring this particular season so if any of those types of topics sound interesting to you, I would encourage you to connect with me or at least follow the Facebook page or, or subscribe or something so that you can get those and then use those as tools as you're mentoring women in your community and the women that God's putting in your lives. Um, I really believe that there is a need for all of us to recognize our call as Titus, aspiring to be Titus to women. Um, I am young. I'm actually 34 years old, and as Felice said, that I'm in that season where I'm intentionally mentoring women in their childbearing years, and I'm still in my childbearing years at 34. And, you know, the Lord right now, this is the baby that he has wanted for me, um, and so I am not with child right now, which is totally a Lord thing, and um, and I'm I'm okay with that, but you know sometimes I still kind of dream about having a little baby girl. Whenever I see those baby girls, I just want to hug them and hold them and get my baby fixed. So you never know what he has in store. Um, but I, I really believe that we are aspiring to be Titus to women, and that as soon as you walk down any journey, you can be teaching those who are younger than you, those who are even in the they're the same age but maybe in a different season of their spiritual walk and that we need to be teaching, encouraging, edifying messages um, and, and being willing to talk about the hard topics like childbirth. I think oftentimes mentors don't talk about it um, for various reasons, and we'll talk about that later. But we also have a prayer team, and we have, an on, we have online communities and an online mentoring um, Facebook page also that's private so that women can be more vulnerable and real. Um, and then for your husbands, if they're interested, my husband has a website as well. He actually has a few because our company, Choose Growth, um, also has a website. So this is Isaac. You can find him on Facebook and Google Plus as well. So you can see, you know, we've got quite a lot going on as a family, but it's where the Lord has just placed us for right now, and we love it. So motherhood. What better topic for Mommy Jammies Night than to talk about childbirth a little bit, right, having babies? This is where motherhood begins. Um, I think some people, I think our society um, really impresses upon us this belief that motherhood does not begin until after the baby's born. You just, if you think about it, you know, with abortion being legalized and, and all these different um you know, different petitions that are out there to be signed about the rights of women. Our society does not view pregnancy as where motherhood begins. And I believe that the Lord wants us to see that motherhood begins in pregnancy. We were designed to partner with God in bringing forth life. That is such a beautiful concept, isn't it? And when you think about that, that we're actually partnering with him in this, Right. It brings a whole new idea, a whole new holiness to this particular season in a woman's life. And so we're going to just talk a little bit about legacy for a minute. Um, legacy, leaving a legacy, that's the name of my personal website. Um, I've been speaking on that for quite a few years, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. And that's part of why I wanted to write Redeeming Childbirth also, um, when I, I took a plane ride and was headed out to a conference a few years ago, and as I was writing content for a new website, um, I actually wrote a bunch of chapters for this book, Leaving a Legacy. 
and I was so excited, and I thought, oh, wow, this is really exciting. This is something I've been thinking about a long time. But the Lord spoke to me through his word, and as I was praying, and actually as I was trying to get started writing, I, for the first time, had writer's block. And as I was asking the Lord, why, why am I having a hard time? You just gave me all of this, um, all these chapter headings and all this, all these ideas, why can't I write? And, and I really felt like the Lord was saying, you need to write leading in childbirth first. This is part of your legacy. And that really impressed something big upon my heart because that's what we should be doing as parents, right? Um, I know that from my heart, from my kids, and you probably have the same desire, right, that you want to see your kids become movers and shakers for the body of Christ. You want to see them not just, you know, aspire to have an American dream. That's not that's not necessarily the goal. The goal would be that they would love the Lord their God with their whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, and that they would want to follow him, that they would they would eagerly love sacrificing their life, dying to their self, and taking up the cross of Jesus and following him down whatever road he has for them, right? But that kind of legacy, that kingdom-focused impact legacy, is not something that we can teach just by teaching it and speaking it to our children or or even reading it to our children. It's something that, you know, is caught also. And I, my husband and I are pretty um, vocal and we communicate a lot with our kids about um, just vision, family vision and purpose in life and that sort of thing. And, and it dawned on me in this particular experience that the Lord was saying, Angie, you need to write Redeeming in Childbirth because that's part of your legacy. You need to write it for your daughters and your daughter-in-laws. And for it to be there um, as part of your legacy. But it was bigger than that. It was also that altar, that shouting from the mountaintops, the great things that the Lord had done in my life and in the lives of other women. He actually had given me the vision to invite other women to partake and participate along with me by, um, by allowing them to share their birth testimonies in the book as well. So there are many women who have shared different stories, and there are different messages, different things that the Lord really wanted shared in this book, and that's what's been so exciting. Um, and so as members of the Body of Christ, ambassadors, we each get to contribute to this legacy, and that is just a cool thing. And so sharing with your kids that they get to partake in contributing and partnering with God, kind of like how we partner in bringing forth life, Right. We all have a part to play. We are a team. We have the, the members of the body of Christ. The gifts have been distributed evenly, as Second Corinthians says, and for us to help our kids to find those gifts and to find the passions that God laid on their hearts and to help them to be able to contribute. That's where they start feeling this like sense of fulfillment of their purpose, and they can be doing that even as kids. So. One of the things I wanted to mention, though, is that we leave a legacy. God has his legacy that he's been leaving, and it's in the stories of people's lives. You know, as we read the Bible, and there's, these story, there's story after story of people's testimonies. And it's like um, if you were to take Hebrews 11, the stories of faith, that is what is written all throughout the Bible. And then Jesus, when he comes and he does his ministry, he tells his stories. He tells parables, stories of people's lives to get the point across. And so that is part of God's legacy is in his word, his living word, he passes on his legacy, his law, his commands, his will, his speaking, and his Holy Spirit through people's lives and through their stories. And we get to do that with our kids. But then we also leave a legacy for the next generation in the church. And the important thing that I want to leave with you today is that we all leave a legacy intentionally and unintentionally, don't we? Um, this, um, this role that we have as mothers is a multi-generational mission. Um, and what I, you know, obviously you're probably all going, oh, yeah, yep, yep, I see it. I'm excited for grandkids. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, oh, wow, you have six kids. And that, that really will fascinate them. And I say, well, you know, secretly I'm just waiting for those grandkids. I'm so excited to have grandkids someday. But, but then I also have to bring it home and go, wait, 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 I need to be that excited about my kids right now and choosing to delight in them. And for them to feel that from me, to feel that emotional, to feel that, that their mom loves spending time with them. 
And that's part of what I want to talk to you about tonight because motherhood as a mission, they are our mission field, right? And passing down faith, you know, in my mind, like the belief in Jesus Christ is really like the foundational, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the foundation if you were to put on makeup, right? Like we're all moms, right? So you're putting on your 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 concealer first. And that to me is teaching your kids to believe in Jesus Christ, who he is, teaching them about who he is. But then when we start building their faith, it's like we're adding on the layers, right? And, you know, we need to evangelize our kids and recognize that they are unsaved believers, that they come out sinful, right, just as the scripture says in the Psalms. And and to recognize that it is our mission field. You know, when I was I when I was a young mom, I was very active in three or four different ministries at the church that we were going to and loved being involved in ministry. Loved it. I loved connecting with people one on one. I loved connecting with them in groups. And I it, it was just so fun for me to go and drop off my kids in the little childcare and go and serve and be involved in these ministries. But I was too busy. And the Lord convicted my heart and asked me to step away from those ministries so that I could put more time into my home while my kids were young. And it wasn't that there was anything wrong. It was just that I felt this call back to be more on mission in my home. And, yes, I wanted to be the parent, not the friend, right? But at the same time, I recognized that, Right now, I'm building my relationships with my children. I'm setting the foundation for the next 20, 30, and 40 years of relationship that I'm going to have with them. And that friends come and go sometimes. I have some amazing friends that I've had for over a decade, and I love those friendships. And I I know that I will. we have a kindred spirit. They are going to be there for another decade, I pray. Um, But your family is with you every day, and that is our mission field. And so I, when I stepped out, I had to have a change of thinking that this was a ministry and it was okay to say no to doing some things within the church because this was all I could handle at that time. For me personally, that was all I could handle was that I needed to be at home with my three little babies and with my nursing baby, my toddler potty training, and they were all napping at the time. And I needed to be evangelizing them through home discipleship, which I I really believe that home discipleship is a call for every parent, regardless of what your education choices are. We as parents are called to be passing on the faith. You know, as Deuteronomy 6 says, as we stand and as we rise, as we sit, as we walk, to bind them on our doorposts, you know, we are to be teaching our children and sharing our testimonies and knowing what's on their hearts. We can't evangelize our children. We can't um, lead them to Christ if we don't know what is in their mind and what is on their heart, what they're, you know, if they're depressed, if what they're thinking about, what, you know, um, what their dreams are. And for me personally, with having six kids, I can't envision being able to know what was on the hearts of my children if I didn't have enough time with them. And so homeschooling has just been that avenue for us to be able to spend the right amount of time to be able to know what is on their hearts and to know them deeply, right? Um, We as parents are living a legacy that impacts our children and our children's children. You have to recognize that what you're doing today is not just that you're doing the dishes and you are doing it with a joyful heart. That is not just doing the dishes for those 10 minutes and then there's going to be another stack in like an hour or two, right, as homeschool moms who make three meals a day every day and we run the dishwasher three or four times a day, right? No, I have to view that as right now I am modeling having a joyful heart in doing the chores and serving my family. I am having a joyful heart in, um, in modeling servant leadership. And then as I have them doing their chores and have some of them doing their round on dishes, if they're having a hard attitude, I need to look at myself and go, whoa, wait a minute, did I model that bad attitude? Because if I did, I need to ask them for forgiveness. And then I need to talk to them about having a joyful heart attitude and serving the family and being part of the team. So, you know, a lot of this, um, I'll just talk to the homeschool moms for a minute. Um, A dear friend of mine, love her to death. I love how open and honest we are. Um, with one another, she came to me a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and just said, Angie, you know, 
I did not know that this whole homeschooling thing was going to be mainly dealing with sin. And, you know, I think that a lot of times we don't, we don't assume that. We don't think that. We think, oh, we're going to be doing math and grammar and, and, and handwriting and history and science. You know, we list off all of our subjects that we're going to cover for homeschool. But really, those things just provide us with the opportunities to deal with the sin, right, to deal with the, the unteachable heart attitude that's in our child as they don't want to continue working on the math or they're not listening or they're frustrated or, or for the child that wants to give up on piano once they hit their third year or second year of piano, right? And for us as moms, those, you know, sometimes I know that I get into those places where I can struggle so much with feeling like a failure as a mom and just kind of, I, I even find myself now, sometimes I still hit those crossroads where I'm sitting on the fence, should I let him quit or should I push him to persevere so that he doesn't regret it later? And I think that that's the thing is that when we're in the word of God and when we're surrounding ourselves with like-minded people that can fill us up and encourage us in those, in those times when we're feeling those um, sense-sitting moments and we're unsure, we, that's when we need to be strong for our children and we need to give them vision and we need to give them leadership. So, for example, I'll just use this piano example that I gave you um, for a moment. A few years ago, my um, son was um, having a hard time on the piano. And he wanted to be done. He was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I don't want to do this. And he was very, very upset. And I sat down and I talked to him about it. You know, lo and behold, I came to that conclusion that part of it was that there was a pride issue. He didn't like his older sister helping him. He didn't like, um, he didn't want her to be teaching him. He didn't want me to be teaching him. It was the, the piano. He wanted to do it himself. It was, he was coming into a manhood. And for those of you who have had, um, your your son's growth. I'm sure this is bringing you back, right? You're remembering those moments of, yeah, there is that time when, when men, when boys are, are trying to grow into their manhood where they have a hard time taking orders from women because God designed them to be the leader of the home, right? And so, you know, as a mom of a 10-year-old, I had the opportunity to talk to my son and give him the vision and talk to him about the pride that was in his heart. And he repented, we reconciled, we hugged, but it took a good 45-minute conversation to get to that place because his heart was so hearted and so upset, not wanting girls, he didn't want his piano teacher to be a girl. And, you know, so there were all these, all these things that we had to get through, right? But it was so good to take that time. And I just, in that moment, I was thinking to myself, if I didn't have him at home with me right now, these attitudes might, might have been happening in the school. I just wouldn't be there to deal with them. Right. And so as we are going through our days, as we're on the weekends and our kids are having a bad attitude about sharing or a bad attitude about doing their chores, those are our opportunities to be training them up in righteousness, having those long conversations and giving them vision. So an idea for vision with piano for my kids were, hey, guys, listen, we don't want to be dependent upon radios. What if God calls you to the mission field where he wants you to be leading worship? Well, I, what it, don't, do you want to be able to teach your kids how to have music, that music to worship, not just music, but worship to be a legacy that you want passed down from generation to generation? And so giving them those visions and then seeing that spark in their eye, and then they got it, right? And then from, for them on, you don't have those battles as often. So for me, it's those long conversations sometimes. Sometimes with kids it's not so long depending on their learning style and who they are. But I just encourage you to take the time to talk through some of these issues. Um, part of the legacy that we're leaving as a church is how we view pregnancy and childbirth, sanctity of life, how we view children, are children a burden or not? I've been doing this um, blog post series called Pregnancy is Not an Ailment, Childbirth is Not a Curse, and Children are Not a Burden. And I, it's amazing to me how much the world influence has seeped into the church. And so we're really trying to target that. I don't have enough time today to really get into all that, but that is part of um, the ministry behind Redeeming Childbirth, um, that it would empower us as a church to be able to teach a biblical perspective on pregnancy, childbirth, and how we view children. Because how we view children greatly impacts how we view our role as mothers, doesn't it? Let's see. Let's move on. So mothering mentors. These are my two daughters. Um, a few years ago, actually, it was almost four, yeah, it was four years ago now, um, when I was pregnant with our our sixth son, um, 
And, you know, I had also done a, a blog post series called What is the Legacy You Are Leaving? Um, and the reason why I'm tackling these kinds of topics is because, for me, pregnancy was pretty hard. Pregnancy was pretty hard. And I, you know, being sick, being on bed rest, I actually had such bad morning sickness my last two times that I ended up on semi-bed rest with my fifth and then full bed rest for three months with my sixth. I was in the hospital paralyzed from the waist down. Um, have quite an incredible testimony of healing and, and things that the Lord had done in our life. But he allowed me to walk through that season, and it was very apparent why he allowed me to walk through that. It showed me sins that I would not have been um, very willing to admit were in my life at the time. Um, for example, one of my sons was um, – dyslexic and I I knew he had dyslexic tendencies but with having five little kids and and being pregnant and helping my husband run a business and a small farm there was just so much on our plate that I really wasn't able to I wasn't choosing to give it the time really is what it was I wasn't choosing to give it the time where I'm sitting for hours a day or an hour a day letting him fumble through reading with me but hey let me tell you when I got to be on bed rest we had all the time in the world and it's amazing to me how in those three months he actually grew in his reading level by almost a whole grade and a half, a grade and a half. And now he likes reading. And so, you know, there are, there are different things that come out of these different experiences. It's just it's our responsibility to find those God-glorifying things that we can point to to be thankful because it sure would be easier for me to be focused on the depressing part of being on bed rest. And there were, I'm not going to lie, there were many weeks where I felt like a failure. I know um, after my sixth, I also had a, a very severe postpartum hemorrhage, and I lost over half my blood. I went from a 14.1 hemoglobin to under a 7.0. Um, I was 7.1 a week after birth. And um, it, it was really hard. I, I had very swollen legs. Every time I stood, I was dizzy. So I was on bed rest for another six weeks after that again. And during that time, you know, wanting to care for my six kids, and not being able to, that is like clear symptoms for depression and feeling like a failure as a mom. And those were very real times for me. But in those times, having women coming in and serving from our church, bringing meals, um, and also learning that sometimes the suffering that we go through as women isn't necessarily for the lessons that we have to learn, although there is so much that I learned during that time. One of the things that an older mentor in my life shared with me is, Angie, your kids are learning so much. Look at them. They are stepping up and doing things that you would have never allowed them to do. For example, at the time, my son was six and a half, and he was changing his brother's diaper and putting him to bed. A six-year-old son was putting his little baby brother to bed because I couldn't lift him into the crib. He was starting fires to keep the house warm. How many people have six-year-olds? I mean, some people would say, oh, no, that's dangerous and neglectful. But back 100 years ago, kids were much more, they were given much more responsibility, and they definitely can handle it. And the amazing part is the joy and delight that grew inside them as they were starting to develop those um, abilities to contribute to the family team, the family unit. They felt needed. And for my daughter to be cooking three meals a day, except for when people from the church brought meals, and then to be praised, you know, for her work and helping keep up the home. Those are things that as they grow older, that molds part of who they are going to become in such a strong way. I, You know, I look at who my sons are now and having all these little brothers and delighting in the little brother and tickling the little brother, and I think this is just awesome boot camp for him to be a good dad someday. And so, you know, as we are dealing with sickness, yeah, I mean, we can't hide it when, we're, when we feel like vomiting as we're doing the dishes, right? But as we are sick and we see our kids' concerns, we can go to them and we can say, honey, you know what, though? Even though I feel really crummy and there are times that I really, like, I struggle and I, I may have a bad heart attitude, I am so thankful for this baby, you know, and to be turning it around so that they have a, a true expectation of what may or may not happen. My daughters may not get sick at all. I hope they don't. But if they do, my prayer is that they would still see the value in that short period of time when they're sick for another person's whole eternity, another whole life to be impacting for the kingdom of God, right? Another whole eternity. These are eternal inheritances that the God is giving us. 
So how do we keep a joyful heart and attitude when we don't feel good? I mean, there are so many times when we can be tempted to feel like a failure, right? One of my favorite verses that I want to share with you is in Isaiah 40, verse 11. He says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. For so many months when I was on bed list, this is actually the verse that I meditated on. He will gently lead those that are with young. And I, that just comforted my heart so much because the Lord is gentle with us. And as we remember that he cares for us and he cares for our needs and that he will walk through those times when we feel like a failure or when we, when we feel like it's not fair, I'm the only one who gets sick or, you know, all these different things that we could think. The Lord, he, he doesn't do that to us. Those are consequences of living in a sinful world, a fallen world. And, you know, and, and it's also Sometimes he allows us to go through those things, but we, it's our responsibility as Christ followers to be looking for the lessons, looking for the growth, right? This is the sanctification process of motherhood. And, you know, so many people, I think, sometimes when they, when they hear, oh, you wrote a little bit about childbirth, they think, oh, you must be one of those birth junkies. But I really am not. Ladies, the reason why I chose to write about redeeming childbirth is because I feel like this is such a foundational time in a woman's life to be embracing their walk with the Lord, to be choosing growth, and, and recognizing that this is motherhood boot camp. This is, this is sanctification at its finest, and God has, he has designed this season for us to be prepared for motherhood because really all of motherhood is a lifelong labor of love, isn't it? We have many births that we experience as we send off our kids, as they get married, as they um, are homeschooling and we get over different hurdles. I mean, there's just so many examples in life as a mother where it is truly a labor of love. And it may not look exactly the same as childbirth, but in some, some situations it might. You know, there are so many, everyone has a different path, but we have this opportunity to choose not to wallow in the pity parties or the anger outbursts. Um, I just want to talk about that for a second. This is something that is really near and dear to my heart. Um, Think about this. The moment, the minute that you cross the line of fear and anxiety, you become a taker, not a giver. That concept um, really hit home for me as a mom years ago. I don't even remember where I heard it. It was just written in one of my journals. Maybe it was a thought I had. But the moment that we allow fear to control our emotions, fear to control our actions, our decisions, the moment we allow anger or anxiety or stress to control any of those things, that's when we have become a taker and not a giver. And the job, the joy that we have as mothers is that this is a role of servanthood, that we, we get to experience in a very, very tiny way part of what Jesus is doing. for He's done for us. He's done. It's done. He came to be a servant. And we get to look to him as our model. I mean, he was, he was washing dirty toes and dirty feet. And we get to wipe bottoms and change diapers and put Band-Aids on scrapes and kiss owies. And, you know, our role as a mother is servanthood. And so servanthood is not something where we are taking from other people. It's not about us. It's about giving, right? And so we have to remember that the moment we cross the line of fear, anxiety, stress, we become a taker and not a giver. So in our relationships, we need to try to – empower others to walk out of pity parties and to instead be in productive reflection, right? To at least have one or two close like-minded friendships that we can go to and say, I'm really struggling with this. Will you pray with me? Now that is productive reflection. That is confession. And then coming to the Lord with, for repentance and then he, then allowing the Holy Spirit to grow his fruit this fruit of self-control will come out of our lives. So it's very different than being in the pity parties, wallowing in self-pity, having anger outbursts, and then discontentment, right? And then when I fail, you know, I we don't have a ton of time to go through all of this. These slides are going to be here for you guys um, to go through. So I'm just going to I'm going to keep skipping ahead. 
Um, but one of the things that I did want to talk to you about is, um, well, I will go back for a minute. And when we are dealing with um, with sin, it's one of the things that we deal with a lot, right? Not just because our kids are sinners, but it's also because we are too. And that is part of the sanctifying process of motherhood is dealing with our sin appropriately in front of our children, apologizing when we need to apologize and asking for forgiveness, asking our husband for forgiveness, being honest with him about what happened during the day when we had an outburst with one of our kids or when we um, were not as diligent at getting homeschool done during the day because we just didn't feel like it. Those are things that we need to be able to go to our husband and say, this is what happened today, and I'm really, I, I need your accountability, or I'm sorry. And, and to talk to the kids about it, too, and say, Mom was not very good about making sure that we got all our stuff done. I'm sorry, kids, it's my fault that I didn't keep you on more track, or whatever it was. You know, so as we're going through this journey of motherhood, we need to set it up so that our kids don't feel like they need to be perfect. You don't attack sin without grace. No, no, we attack sin with complete grace because we've been given much grace. So why redeeming childbirth? It doesn't really matter how they're born, right? Well, it's true. I'm just going to read this because I I love how it's written. But the how doesn't matter in the long run, not really, or does it? Don't our births impact us as women? Don't they become something that's so personal and intimate to us that for many we can't speak of them? For others, we want to shout from the rooftops how good God was. And for others, there's a deep pain that still needs healing. If you think about it, our experiences impact our legacies we leave. They are the stories told or not told. That's how they impact our legacies. Yeah, it doesn't matter how a baby's born if we're comparing, but we're not comparing. The importance is in the testimonies that are shared. You see, I I believe strongly that whatever we experience, we can still choose to glorify God in it. Whatever your birth testimony is, you know, there is something to be learned, even through walking through a horrible emergency. There are things to be learned. There are ways to praise God from the mountaintop. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. And that's that's part of the mission of redeeming childbirth. And to walk through this season without, with, well, with, we have fear. That fear is a real thing. But to be encouraging one another to lean on the Lord and for him to become our strength and our confidence so that we are not fearful. That is, you know, there are a lot of messages out there that are about empowering um, women to not be fearful. But I, I believe that we need to, surrender our fear to the Lord and for him to be our strength. We need to engage and embrace this season in our life, to be teaching the value of life in the creator. This is the perfect opportunity, right, as moms, to be teaching the sanctity of life to our kids, to be reading. Their, I have some awesome book recommendations on our website. Um, Lisa and Matt Jacobson have written a few really cute books about how God made God made you as one of them, and, and another is based on Psalm 139, and so there are just some great resources out there that I like to inspire women to invest in. And, but then we have this legacy of the Titus 2 woman as well. And these are the three reasons why I think we don't talk about it, right? And I want to try to engage redeeming the division so that mentors are empowered to teach in this season, teach about this season. We need to stop being afraid of offending one another and coming up because we, we should not be judgmental. We We need to stop being afraid of offending people because, Honestly, if we're teaching what's biblical, which is simply to invite the Lord back into the process, meaning you take all your decisions to the Lord. You don't make decisions out of fear. Let's grow spiritually. Let's prepare our hearts spiritually. If that's what we're teaching, then there's no fear that we should be having for offending anyone because that is a biblical message. We're not pushing an agenda. We're not pushing a method. We're not pushing a technique. We are, we are honestly empowering women to invite God back into it. We, but oftentimes mentors don't mentor on this topic because they don't know how to biblically mentor it um, and or we didn't have a mentor to help us, so we didn't have a good experience, right? So we need to recognize that birth is bigger than our belly. We need to, um, I really believe as Christians, we should be birthing differently than the world, mothering differently than the world, um, and recognize that we really have an opportunity to be a missionary even in birth. We can be a witness if we're in the hospital, 
um, to the midwives, the doctors, the nurses, we can to our labor partners, whoever is there. That should be our goal. And there, another opportunity to teach, like, value of life. These are foundational truths that we as moms need to be teaching. You can be supporting missionaries overseas. There's a huge need for missional midwifery. And I think that this is an amazing opportunity for young women who are being raised up in the homeschool um, community. It's a woman-to-woman ministry. Yes, it's overseas. But it's a woman-to-woman ministry, so it's much safer um, than other missions organizations. I look into Mercy in Action if you have a daughter that might be interested in that. Um, and also joining in and doing some runs, walkathons for PRC, stuff like that. Um, let's unite and create a movement in the church today, ladies. What do you say? You know, I, I believe that, yes, we need to go and serve in medical missions, or we need to raise children who are going to be serving and going, but also be intentional with serving and going outside of our homes, in our own communities, and teaching, right? We need Titus II women to be teaching biblical perspective on birth in the church. We need a revival of how we view pain. We need a revival of how we view circumstances. We need a revival of how we view children today. Um, you know, we need mothers on a mission, passing on a vision of a multi-generational legacy of kingdom-focused impact. All of these things. And so I, I just am excited for what God is going to be doing. Let us end in prayer here, and then we'll do some question and answer time. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for what you have been teaching us in the, as mothers. We thank you for the ways that our children show us our sins so that we can repent and grow closer to you. We ask that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, that we would grieve the division among the church on this particular topic, we ask that you would renew our minds from believing these lies we've been taught by our culture about pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood. Please heal our hearts from any pain or regret we may have and redeem our past experiences to be used for your glory. Lord, help us not to live in the past, but to embrace a vision for the future. Raise us up as Titus two women to truly serve in the body as you have called us. Amen. So this is where you can find Isaac and I. Um, that's my husband. So if any of your husbands want to connect with him on Twitter, he is a huge encouragement. He is um, the visionary. He's the man who pushed me to write Redeeming Childbirth. He's the one who pushed me to start writing in the first place. So, um, But really, I wouldn't have anything to write if it wasn't for what the Lord had done in my life. So I'm just thankful for this opportunity. So, Felice, if you have any questions anyone has asked, I would love to engage. Oh, Angie, I knew it would be a very powerful session, and you did not disappoint me, so thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, there are some questions here, so let me go over to the screen and grab some of those for you. And the first is, what would be your advice to me as I walk alongside my married daughter? What can I be doing to help equip her ahead of her childbirthing years? So uh, let me jump in here because um, I don't know if you'll, you'll be bold enough to recommend your own book. But um, I really loved the stuff that um, Angie sent me, uh, Lori. Lori's from North Carolina. Um, I really, really think this book it should be in the hands of every young woman who either has had children or, um, you know, is is open to, I call it open to life, you know, having kids. So, um, you know, Angie, I'm sure you have stuff that you could add to that probably that is in your book that might be helpful. Well, sure. Um, yeah, Lori, I, I think, Felice, for recommending it, it is sometimes hard to promote your own thing that you've done. Um, but part of the vision behind Redeeming Childbirth is to empower and equip mentors to talk about um, issues, feelings, emotions um, in an authentic relationship. So there's actually a chapter that's written for you for the Titus II woman inside Redeeming Childbirth, and then there's a section in the Growth and Study Guide also that has a long list of idea topics and questions to ask when you're mentoring someone on this particular topic. And so I don't know if your daughter would be open to reading the book with you, but that um, that's actually something for you younger moms. That's something that I've been doing with my daughters is intentionally doing um, book read-throughs along as Bible um, scripture read-throughs together where I'm reading by myself, they're reading by themselves, and then we come together and we discuss it. 
Um, I think that it's a foundational thing to start doing that with your kids when they're younger so that they are welcoming of it when they're older um, to develop that teaching relationship between mother and daughter. It's not just going to happen. It's something that you actually have to grow within your child. If they're willing to listen to you when they're younger, chances are they will be willing to listen to you when you're older. Um, but as far as what you can do to support her, you know, think back to when you were a mom and you were pregnant and you wanted to have a date night with your husband or, or when you were fearful and you just needed someone to hold you, to pray for you, um, and to walk with her through this. Um, I would offer, if I were you, I would offer if she hasn't asked, to be in the birth room with her if she would like. But if you are asked to be there, um, really be encouraged to, tr to view this as your opportunity to encourage her marriage. Um, the marriage team is really, um, I believe it's an opportunity for marriage growth also, it, you know, in engaging this experience together. And so my mom has written a letter for grandmas-to-be. It's also in the book. And she shares, um, how she was able to be supportive and just letting us be a team. So whenever there was um, a need for ice, she would go get the ice rather than my husband going and getting the ice. She would let him stay with me. She would just, you know, whisper to him, kind of like a doula would do, oh, right now she might like a back rub, or oh, right now maybe she needs prayer, encouraging him along in that kind of way. So I don't know if you've had that relationship with your son-in-law, but that might be some practical ways right there. No, that's really cool. Yeah, that's great. And, um, I, you know, I do have a really good relationship with my son-in-law, so much so that he's the one who normally calls me if they want to go out. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you know, he just, he wants to make sure that, you know, because he can hear it in my voice if everything's okay or, you know, if it's a good time and, and things like that. So I love that, you know, he calls and, and checks in and, um, we've always been the ones to take care of the kids, and one of my um, my little grandson had to be readmitted. He had a really high fever, and he was so little. Um, thankfully, everything was fine. But, um, you know, my daughter was in the hospital and posting on Facebook. Like We would send her pictures of the kids mm -hmm. and what they were doing, and she was posting that, you know, she was so happy her kids were having a vacation at our house while you know, she was in the hospital with the baby so that, you know, we could let them know, especially with technology now, you know, that everything is great and everybody's having a fun time and the two-year-old's not crying for you. You know, we had him so busy because he really wanted mommy, um, you know, that, that, you know, everything was fine. And I think that's, you know, a good thing. And, um you know, too, she um, asked another question here. She said, do you have a list of resources that you have gleaned from that you can share with us? Mm -hmm. I actually have a free downloadable PDF on redeemingchildbirth.com. If you go to the website, there's a tab that says free resources, and there's one that's called Nesting in Knowledge. And that is actually, um, it's a linkable um, document that's also on there so that you can find live links and you can just click right to those. Um, but it's also a PDF. So if it's something that you wanted to print off for a daughter or a friend, you can go ahead and do that as well. It was a chapter that was extracted out of the book. Yeah, and you will get lost on Angie's site. I mean, I'm past the having baby stage, but I found so many great things over there. And Angie's one of those brave souls that does the video um, I love the video idea, but <laughs> I just don't like yeah. me in front of video. Um, but I, I I did uh, send out a video for Christmas time one year just because I didn't have uh, time to put a whole thing together for my email group. And I tell you what, that was like the most opened email of any of them. So um, I just couldn't stand to watch it afterwards. Oh gosh, mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah, Andy's got great stuff over there. So you know, definitely need to go look. And also, um, she blogs as well and has uh, you know that um, to check into. So just a lot yeah. of great resources there. You know, and, and, and really, I, Angie, I mean, what an innovative idea. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I saw some ladies were talking about mentoring and. 
Um, one of the things that I'm actually, this week, I just finished editing a video that I did on aspiring to be a, a Titus II mentor. And it's a 12-minute video um, where I'm going through Romans 14, 15, Titus 2 and Philemon 1, and back to Isaiah. So I would encourage them to find that YouTube channel um, because I've been trying to really encourage women, you know, to, yes, be careful about what you're sharing. Because, they're, you know, when we're mentoring women, if we haven't had a good birth experience, we need to be careful how we're sharing that because it could really scare right. women. And we don't, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be an encouragement um, and edify one another. So, anyway, that's the basic message of that video. So, Yeah, great. That's, that's really good. And I know that um, as a young mommy, that was my biggest fear. Um, you know, here I was having a baby and I was, you know, book smart, but just, you know, I yeah. would just look around and I just would say to my husband, well, look, there's a mother with two and she still lived through it. I mean, I don't know where right. I thought childbirth was, yeah. was going to be, but I was just happy to see that, you know, I mean, I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. that kids, you know, and their parents survived the birthing uh, thing, but that was, something that was really, uh, you know, I, I kept saying, well, I don't do pain well. But but mm-hmm. praise God, um, you know, the Lord took me where I was, and I really um, had, you know, some really good experiences with um, children. And we did do um, a, um, you know, different methods that, you know, my husband and I took courses, and the Bradley method um, I liked mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm more so than mm-hmm. what we had learned with the, with my oldest two. I think they had perfected, you know, that kind of thing yeah. um, later on. But I'm not going to say that they were easy, but I'm just going to say that, um, you know, for me anyway, it, I didn't use any medication or anything. And it wasn't because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I was this big martyr because I'm not, you know. I get a, I get a paper cut. Like this little baby, I'm like, right, wow, right. this really, I'm really, really, way. really yeah. hurts, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, I but, do. But God takes, you know, and I had five children mm-hmm. naturally, you know. Oh, but um, but yeah, it 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 really is something. And I think one of the things I love so much about your ministry, Angie, is that you put God firm firmly in the middle, and you talk about childbirth in a different way than most people consider it you know um it's just like saying well i homeschool because i want the best academics for my children we all want the best academics for our children but that isn't or shouldn't be the main reason you homeschool because there's so much more to a person than just what they're learning in a book you know um and the same thing with with childbirth i mean it is such a time there's so much to this, you know, so many facets of witnessing, mm-hmm. you know, to the world that, right. you know, children are not a burden. Um, you know, one of our, our uh, hosts on this network, um, Kendra Fletcher, I, I believe she has eight, and she goes, and we have eight kids, and they are loud, and they are noisy, and they are, you know, things are a mess, but we right. like them, you know, it's just right. like, right. you know, it's just... I mean, it's sad in humor, but, you know, I, I just shake my head when I hear that because it's what, you know, it's a response to, you know, um, all of the things that people say uncaringly. And, you know, we really um, are a witness, you know, with families um, that are, um, you know, just loving and and, you know, not, not always together because, believe me, our family isn't always together, but just, you know, we're we're making the grand effort um, to do what's right. And um, there's a question here about um, modeling values and character. It says, um, Angie, you talked about modeling value um, and character for your children. How can mm-hmm. we do this effectively when some, several of my children have hard hearts? Mm. You know, that is such a great question. And it's something that I'm I'm kind of an open book type of lady. And so I have no problem um, sharing that there have been those times where I have just been in fret mode or in – I've gotten anxious. I've been disturbed by where the spiritual place of a child or two is at at times. And mm-hmm. I think that that's good for us as moms to be realistic 
about what is going on in our children's lives and to be aware of that. So good for you for recognizing that your children do have a hardened heart. Um, and be obviously praying. We, the, the Lord has called you as their, their mother to be one of their main intercessors, right? The, the power of prayer is huge in a child's life. But then also being honest more and more about who you are and the struggles that you have with your kids. And over time, I have found that with some of my kids, the more I am real about my failings and that that's why I need a Savior. Like, yes, I'm a sinner. I need mm-hmm. Jesus. For example, my five-year-old was having a hard time with his two-year-old, right, with the two-year-old brother at the time. He was almost three. He was like, I can't share with him. I'm mad at him. I can't do it. And so normally in that situation, what would a parent respond with? They would probably say, go to your room. You need to share. Or they would think and say, you need to share. Or, I mean, whatever the, the, whatever right. the choice of discipline that a parent chooses, those are the, you know, they would go through the rigmarole. Well, for me and my husband, that's when we look at it as an opportunity and we say, son, you're right. You can't do it on your own. You need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let's pray about Very this. Good. And then you go into doing the, you know, sometimes even with a five-year-old, and I probably over-lecture them, but I literally want to see honest remorse. I'm not willing to walk out. We will go without dinner as a family, or I'll have to call in Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever it is because the soul is more important to me than anything else. And so mm-hmm. to, to take the time that's required to sit and talk through it. Now, when you have a child that's not willing to talk, you know, really, you may have to go to your pastor, your elders, and to have some intervention somehow. Um, but, you know, do the Matthew 18 approach. So first you go to your brother, because they're you're really your brother in Christ, even though you're a child. We're all members of the same right. body of Christ. And so we have to approach, especially with our children as they become adults, we have to start transitioning into that approach this as you're a member of the body of Christ with me, you're a brother in Christ, you're a sister in Christ. And so you go to them first, and then you go with your husband to them if they don't listen, and then you tell them, okay, listen, we're going to have to go to our pastor or an elder, whatever you're, you know. And then you keep you keep dealing with it. But I think that a lot of times we as parents aren't willing to see the sin in our children or we don't, we don't know quite how to deal with it, and sometimes it just is a matter of literally loving them through the sin. Just for Jesus, right? Life. You know, He right. came for the lost. He came for the sinners, not for those who had perfect-looking lives. You know, He He came for the lost, and so we need to be willing to love them through that sin, take the sin, love the sinner. That timeless, you right? Know. Right. That's wonderful, and and you know, um, that's just such good advice because um, you know you're leading again by example, which is exactly what you were talking about earlier in your slides. And there are the slide handouts, and I will have those um, with the audio that will be available on the website. So be looking for that in the um, on the Mommy Jammy Night page. And I just want to, again, um, oh, let me read a couple of these comments. So the one um, mm-hmm. above that said, um, do you have that relationship with your your daughter and son-in-law when you were talking about um, helping them? She said she did, so that's wonderful. Awesome. And also somebody else uh, posted um, that she's recently learned the point that you were talking about, you know, talking to your children about, um, you know, needing the Lord to be able to, to forgive or love. And she goes, what a difference yeah. it has made in how I handle situations. Yes, the soul is more important. So, um, you know, I guess that's in reference to to Mm -hmm. saying, you know, that's the most important thing. And we talked about that um, this week on our Vintage Homeschool Moms show that, um, you know, both Meredith and I were talking about how we've stopped school. And there have been days that we were just working on other issues. And right. I've learned, you know, especially with children that fight, I'm going to be talking about this in, in another um, Vintage Homeschool Mom show, and that is, um, you know, siblings that for for whatever reason, in my family, there seem to be seasons. Like some seasons, certain children get along better than other, you know, than with, you know, the, we have the boy, boy, girl, boy, you know, split right now, and 
Mm-hmm. And the two mm-hmm. boys will get along, you know, for one little period of time. And then the two younger ones, my daughter and my son, get along. And, you know, there's these different things that are happening. And so, you know, I've kind of sat back and analyzed that. And we were talking about um, we were cleaning up some of our stuff in our schoolroom, and my daughter found her journal. And she told her her um, brother, you know, her older brother, she goes, you know how many times I journaled? And said, I am so mad at you, (laughs) you know. But, you know, it was a a place for her, a safe place for her to go and to write her feelings. And now I'm thinking, well, that, you know, I let that be their private thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I wish I had known because we could have worked through some of that. And they have a good relationship now. But, you know, if I had just known about it. So that's important to keep those lines of communication open and to know like, you know, that your children should know. And Mm -hmm. I've talked to her Mm -hmm. now about it, but she's 15, you know, and I don't remember how old she said she was when she wrote this. But as a mom, you know, I feel a little bit, you know, of this, you know, I failed my kids, Um, you know, and so we have to, you know, realize that, you know, she did work through it, but it would have been easier if I had been in the mix. But, um, you know, it's something that is important that our children are able to talk about it not only with us but with their siblings. And I think that uh, you've given some wonderful advice tonight. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. that, Angie. Thanks. Oh, yeah. And I would just love to continue connecting with them. And we could probably talk about this all night, couldn't we? I know. (laughs) We could. We could. Well, listen, thank you so much, um, Angie. And, you know, I think probably the catch-all um, website to send everybody to is your um, your Angie Tolpin. So it's A-N-G-I-T-O-L-P-I-N dot com. And yeah. there's also, and Angie also has um, choosegrowth.com and redeemingchildbirth.com. So um, those are great. And then, of course, she's on social media, so you can find her on Facebook at Leaving in okay, what is it? Leaving it's intentional. Leaving. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's that leaving an intentional legacy. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's and yeah, and, and then, then also redeeming childbirth, right? And so, yeah. um, definitely connect with her, and then she has um, a Pinterest at Andy Tolton. So. Mm-hmm. Great. So wonderful. Thank you so much again, and I look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Sounds great. Thanks so much, ladies. Good night. Good night. I'm so happy you came to Mommy Jammies Night. Please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time. And follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email. God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us.